Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the scariest things that has ever happened to me occurred while I had to take a bunch of kids from the local church group camping. I was only around 18 at the time and one of the youth leaders of the group mainly because it was going to look good on my college manuscript. There was around 10 little kids, me and another youth leader, we'll call her Tammy, and then two adults, Mr. and Mrs. Love, that really was their name. They ran the Sunday school, and this was an overnight treat for the kids who were all pretty young, I want to say around 8 to 11. 
We did all the usual camp stuff until it got to the evening. While roasting s'mores, one of the kids asked for a ghost story, but Mr. Love said he wasn't going to scare them. I guess the Bible is scary enough, but to make up for no spooky stuff, he would allow a quick game of manhunt in the dark as long as they all stuck to in and around the tents and the first row of trees. If he blew the whistle, they all came straight back and whether they'd been found or not. Mr. and Mrs. Love and two of the kids would be seekers, and Tammy and I would hide along with the rest of the kids. I figured since I wasn't ten, I could bend the rules ever so slightly. I ran back a bit further into the trees. I planned to sneak out when I thought I was close to being the last to be found, feeling pretty smug as it was really dark back here and there was no way I'd be found until I spring out. It was super quiet as all the kids were desperately trying not to give away their hiding spot. It became really obvious when I heard this sort of banging noise behind me as it amplified all throughout the trees. I just remember thinking I'm going to be given away by a raccoon or something or a possum. There was some wrestling, and then all of a sudden, I was blinded as the thing making the noise flipped on a light. I don't think I've ever been so terrified or screamed so loud in my life. There was a guy who stood behind me, only I couldn't see his face properly, like he had a stocking over it. Kinda like how you see in the movies about bank robbers. As soon as I screamed and saw him, he ran. I just stood there screaming until Mr. Love suddenly appeared from the other side and grabbed hold of me, asking what had happened. Was I hurt? He took me back to camp at that point as I could just speak. I was so scared. When we got there, and this had all taken just a few moments, everybody was back. I told them what I'd seen and all the kids began crying. The adults knew me well enough to know there was no way I would make something like this up. So Mrs. Love called the cops on her cell phone, while Mr. Love got everybody to huddle together and put all of her flashlights on. The police showed up and checked out the area. Of course, it was super hard to see anything in the dark, but they checked pretty thoroughly, and I even showed them the exact spot that I had seen the mysterious man. There was no trace of him or anybody else, and they ended up helping to drive all the kids home as really nobody wanted to spend the night. The next morning they went back again just to check for any evidence in the daylight. Now they were able to see a ton of weird carvings that had been very recently cut into the trees and several bullets and other sharp objects found on the floor near to where I had apparently been standing. Had I possibly disturbed a would-be mass killer? As a Navajo officer, I once encountered a white skeletal creature on the Navajo Indian Reservation in Arizona. Two others and I came across this thing one night while patrolling the desert near Shiprock. Initially, I thought it was a bear or some other kind of animal. It looked like something with high cheekbones and deep sudden eyes and had shorter arms with short front legs. I didn't realize it wasn't an animal until I got out of my patrol car to investigate. I noticed and heard the footfalls echoing off to either side and saw that there were no tracks. The creature was nearly seven feet tall. The other two witnesses who requested anonymity also said the animal was hairless and had carroty red eyes. I remember thinking it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen, and I felt a sensation akin to pins and needles when I looked at it. The creature disappeared before reaching a telephone booth. 
I contacted Navajo Tribal Police Chief Samuel Pete about my experience after reading newspaper accounts of sightings in northeastern Arizona, right near the Navajo Mountain. This is where others have reported seeing a giant man with white skin that leaves no tracks or scent behind. The report also included a local scientist's theory that the animal was potentially a genetic aberration resulting from nuclear experiments in nearby Area 51, or quite possibly a descendant of a species of bear known to have been in the area thousands of years ago. A few days before my alleged encounter, two other Navajo officers had reported seeing a huge hairless dog that stood up about five feet tall in the same vicinity. On July 4th, a man named Leland Joe saw an unidentified five-foot-tall being with white skin and glowing green eyes running across a field, again leaving no tracks. Also, a retired military man said he saw another creature one night. His car suddenly stopped mid-drive for no apparent reason, suffering from electronic issues. He turned off the ignition, turned on the lights, and found that he was surrounded by several of these beings. These beings reportedly had glowing green eyes and fang-like teeth. They surrounded his car, and when he screamed, they appeared to just disintegrate into the air. As soon as they did, his entire car started up again, and he was able to successfully drive away. We're not exactly sure what we're dealing with, but there is definitely something supernatural lingering in the state of Arizona. My friend Ryan and I had been planning a weekend getaway for quite some time. Both of us were outdoor enthusiasts, and we decided to explore the beautiful Surprise Lake, located southeast of Estacada, Oregon. Late last July, we finally had the chance to embark on this adventure. Ryan brought along his girlfriend, making it an exciting trio for the trip. Upon arriving at Surprise Lake, we were captivated by the serene beauty that surrounded us. The calm water, the lush greenery, and the melodic sounds of nature were a welcome escape from the hustle and bustle of city life. We decided to set up camp on the far side of the lake, away from any other visitors who might be in the area. As we explored the area, we came across a large V formation between two trees. To our surprise, we discovered long, soft brown and copper hairs, along with some white hairs tangled in the branches. Intrigued by this unusual finding, we speculated that something big must have passed between the trees, leaving the hairs behind. We continued our exploration, still discussing the mysterious hairs and what creature could have left them. The sun began to set, casting a warm glow over the lake and surrounding woods. As the darkness crept in, we suddenly heard a loud crashing sound coming from the nearby forest. Startled by the noise, we froze in our tracks, our hearts pounding in our chests. The crashing grew louder, as if something large was moving through the woods in our direction. Fear quickly took over, and we realized that it was time to leave. Without hesitation, we grabbed our belongings and hastily retreated to the safety of our campsite. We spent the night huddled together, our minds racing with thoughts of what could have been lurking in the forest. The mysterious hairs and the unexplained crashing sound left us with an eerie sense of unease that lingered throughout the night. Though we never discovered the source of the hairs or the sounds that spooked us, our trip to Surprise Lake became a story we'd recount for years to come. The experience taught us that, even in the most serene of places, 
The unknown can still surprise and frighten even the most adventurous souls. It was a Friday night and the party was in full swing. The music was loud, the drinks were flowing, and everyone was having a great time. I too was enjoying the lively atmosphere when I noticed her a beautiful girl with a smile that could light up the room. We exchanged glances and before I knew it, we were chatting, laughing and dancing together. As the night wore on, our connection grew stronger and eventually we decided to leave the party together. I remember my friend watching us as we left, a knowing smile on his face. We spent the night wrapped in each other's arms, sharing secrets and exploring our desires. It was a night I would never forget. The following morning, I awoke to find her gone. I figured she must have left early, and I was determined to find her again. I spent the next few months asking family, friends, and even total strangers about her, but nobody seemed to know who she was. The memory of our night together was so vivid, I couldn't fathom the idea that it was all just a figment of my imagination. Confused and desperate for answers, I decided to confront my friend, the one who had seen us leave the party together. I was sure he would have some information about her, but when I brought it up, he gave me a puzzled look. Man, you left the party alone that night, he insisted. I don't know what you're talking about. His words sent a shiver down my spine, and my mind raced to make sense of it all. Could I have been drugged or hallucinating? Was it all just a vivid dream? I couldn't accept any of these explanations. My memories of her were too real, too intense. As the years passed, I continued to search for her, but she remained an enigma. My one-night stand with the girl who didn't exist became a legend among my friends and family, a mystery that I would never solve. I often wonder if she was a figment of my imagination, or perhaps a beautiful ghost who graced me with her presence for just one night. One thing is for sure I will never forget her. The girl who didn't exist left an indelible mark on my heart, a reminder of the fleeting nature of love and the enigma of human connection. And even though I may never find her again, I'll always cherish the memories of our night together, as they remain some of the most vivid and captivating moments of my life. I had lived in this small town my entire life, surrounded by the dense forest that stretched for miles in every direction. The woods were a constant source of fascination and mystery for me, and I spent countless hours exploring their depths, learning their secrets. One evening, as I sat on the back porch of our family home, I heard something that would change my life forever. It began as a low, guttural howl, slowly rising in pitch until it carried off into the distance. The sound was unlike anything I had ever heard before, louder and more powerful than any animal I knew. It repeated over and over again, each howl lasting for about 30 seconds. As the strange howls continued, the dogs in the area began barking and howling in response. They seemed agitated and restless, their behavior only settling once the howls ceased. I was left with an overwhelming sense of unease, wondering what kind of creature could make such a sound. A few days later, my father had a bizarre encounter of his own. He was outside when he heard a loud shaking coming from one of the trees in the forest behind our house. He said it sounded like something huge was up in the tree, causing it to sway and groan under its weight. 
My father was convinced it was a man in the tree, but he couldn't get a clear look at whatever it was. As he scrambled to find a flashlight, the creature suddenly pushed off, causing the tree to crack and fall onto our back deck, crushing the fence in the process. The incident left us all shaken and confused. What kind of creature could cause such destruction? My father was adamant that it had been a man up in the tree, but I couldn't shake the memory of those eerie howls. Was it possible that there was something more lurking in the woods around our home? Over the next few weeks, I became obsessed with discovering the truth. I researched local legends and folklore, trying to find any mention of creatures that could make such a sound or cause such damage. I spent hours in the woods, searching for any signs of the mysterious beast. It wasn't until months later, when I stumbled upon an old book about cryptids and mysterious creatures, that I began to piece together the puzzle. The descriptions of a large, powerful creature that howled and shook trees matched what we had experienced. Although I couldn't prove it, I was convinced that we had encountered a cryptid in our own backyard. The howls and tree-shaking incidents stopped as suddenly as they had begun, leaving us with more questions than answers. I continued my search for answers, driven by a need to understand the unknown. The experience had shown me that there was more to our world than met the eye, and I was determined to uncover its secrets. I'll never forget the day I met Mutata, a man known throughout Kenya as the one who had cheated death. It was a hot afternoon in Kitui, about 100 miles east of Nairobi, and I had come to interview him about his incredible experiences with life and death. As I approached his humble abode, I couldn't help but feel a mixture of curiosity and apprehension. Mutata, a 60-year-old shepherd, had been pronounced dead three times, only to disrupt his own funeral and rise minutes before burial. His last resurrection had been in May, and I was eager to hear his story firsthand. Sitting down with him, I noticed a glimmer of sadness in his eyes. His brother Timothy had told me earlier that Mutida had been disappointed because Pope John Paul Roman II had refused to grant him an audience during his visit to Kenya in August. I decided to begin our conversation by asking him about his first encounter with death. I was just a child, barely three years old, he began, his voice tinged with both wonder and sadness. My body had been wrapped in sheets and blankets and was being lowered into the ground when I let out a cry and was hauled back to the surface. I listened, captivated, as he recounted his second death at the age of 22. After a six-day search, his lifeless body was found, and yet again he forced open his coffin lid as it was being lowered into the ground. His most recent death occurred in May, when he was pronounced dead after a short illness suspected to be cholera. However, he revived after a day of lying in state and demanded a drink of water. As our conversation drew to a close, Mutida looked at me and said solemnly, I have cheated death three times, but I know that the fourth time will be for good. His words sent a shiver down my spine, and I could see the weight of this knowledge in his eyes. Twelve days ago, Mutida passed away, and this time there were no miracles. He was buried without fanfare or publicity in a simple ceremony in Kidui. The exact cause of death was not disclosed, but it seems that his premonition had come true. As I reflect on my encounter with Mutida, I am struck by the fragility and mystery of life. 
His story serves as a reminder to cherish every moment and live each day as if it were our last. For Mutida, the man who had cheated death, the final curtain had finally fallen. Friday night, I was near Blue River in Colorado. We couldn't make it to the actual campsites, so we car camped for the night. Got a fire going and watched the full moon slowly peek up over the mountains. After a couple hours, we heard something that I thought was an elk bugle at first. But elk don't typically bugle at night, not that I've heard of at least. Then it started changing tones and went to a higher pitch. It changed tones and pitch a few different times. It wasn't screaming or anything like that, but it was eerie. It was going on for a solid minute before anyone said anything. At which point we were all weirded out because we've never heard anything like that. I've listened to every animal I could think of in the area, from mountain lions to owls, and nothing matches the sound we heard. One of my friends described it almost like a siren song. Does anyone have any ideas on what it could be? I never thought I would see anything like it. It was just another day driving home from work with my two buddies Seamus and Sterling. We had just finished work and were driving down the road when we saw it, under the streetlight. We couldn't quite make out what it was at first, but as we got closer, we realized it was no ordinary animal. Seamus shouted, Guys, look at that! And that's when we all saw it. The figure was slouched over and had very long arms. It had an ape-like face, and it was huge. We had never seen anything like it before. At first, we thought it was a really big animal, but it didn't run like one. It ran in a very ape-like way. As soon as it noticed us, it turned in our direction. We were terrified. We had heard of the legendary Yowie, but we never thought we would come face to face with one. Sterling said we were in utter disbelief of what we were seeing. It didn't make sense to us, and we were all confused and scared. After the encounter, we couldn't stop talking about what we saw. We went on a few hikes to see if we could find anything, but we didn't have any luck. We even talked to the locals, and they told us they had seen evidence of the Yowie before. I never believed in anything like this before, but after that experience, I know there's something out there. Something big and scary. I hardly slept that night, and I felt overwhelmed that I had seen something that I never believed in previously. It's an experience that will stay with me forever. Hiking with a companion and two German shepherds around 9 a.m. in the rogue Umqua wilderness. Saw a large brown object moving fast through the understory, which was quite thick. Dogs chased the object. Both dogs had saddle packs. One dog had a tarp which was securely rolled and tied on the middle of his back. Dogs were gone about three, five minutes and came running back. One dog which had the tarp on returned and continued to run past us and ended up at the shelter, about one mile back where we had stayed the night and was extremely scared. The other older dog stopped when encountering us and listened when we told it to stop, but was also very scared. Several things were unusual, the intense musty smell, something like a bull elk in heat, but not or not like a bear either. The dogs fear as they have chased bears, coyotes, deer, elk, and are never scared upon return. 
the tallness of the object as it was way too tall for a bear or elk. Too quiet for an elk also. The untied tarp which was securely tied, but upon return of the chase the tarp was tied, but just one knot. I tie good knots. As Lorna, park ranger of the Green Lakes National Park, my days were usually filled with the routine tasks of patrolling and maintaining the park. But that particular evening was different. I had been off duty, indulging in a spot of elk hunting near the old growth, an area dense with towering trees that had seen centuries pass by. The sun was gently sinking, painting the sky in hues of orange and purple. It was my favorite time of the day in the park, a time when the hustle of the day eased and the nocturnal orchestra started tuning up. The first scream pierced the peaceful dusk like a shard of glass. It was long, chilling, and unlike anything I'd ever heard in the park. My heart pounded in my chest as I tried to decipher the source. It sounded distant, past a clear cut some 200 yards away. I gripped my hunting rifle tighter, my senses on high alert. The second scream came, then the third, each roughly five to six seconds long and spaced out over a span of ten minutes. The sounds were loud, almost deafening, echoing through the otherwise quiet forest. It felt as if the forest held its breath, the usual chirping of birds and rustling of leaves replaced by an eerie silence. What intrigued me was not just the volume or the frequency of the screams, but the pattern. It was as if whatever was making the sound was trying to communicate. The screams had a certain rhythm to them, an odd cadence that sounded like, ah, kitty. As a park ranger, I was familiar with the cries and calls of the park's wildlife, but this was something new, something foreign. Every instinct told me to retreat, to get to the safety of the ranger station, but my curiosity pushed me forward. I moved stealthily, my boots crunching softly against the forest floor. The screams had stopped, replaced by an unsettling silence. I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up, a primal part of me acknowledging the unknown. As I neared the source of the sound, I took a deep breath, preparing myself for whatever was out there. The twilight had given way to the moon's pale glow, casting long, ominous shadows between the trees. I squinted, trying to make out any movement. But the forest stood still, as if it were holding its breath. Then, just as I was about to turn back, I saw it. In the clearing, bathed in the moonlight, was a creature. It was unlike anything I had seen before, a being straight out of a folk tale. As our eyes met, it let out a scream, the same chilling ah kitty that had led me here. I held my breath, my grip on the rifle tightening. That night, I came face to face with the unknown, and it changed my perspective forever. The park was not just a job anymore. It was a land of mysteries waiting to be discovered, and I was its custodian. The experience I'd like to share with you happened in the summer of 2002. I was 20, still living at home in a rental in East Mesa, Arizona with my 18-year-old brother and my mother. As you may know, Arizona has a typically six-month-long scorching, dry summer climate, and being a transplant from beautiful Northern Cali, it was hard for us to adapt. Anyhow, it was a hot summer night in late May or early June. My brother had just graduated high school, and I was working full-time during the day. 
We spent our evening talking and laughing and playing music. It really was a memorably enjoyable night. At about 10.30, I noticed that the front porch light had again burned out, as it had been doing for about 18 months prior to that. In fact, both of the lights over the driveway and three lights in our backyard were continually ceasing to function, and it seemed I was always buying bulbs and expensive strobe light bulbs. I don't know if this is somehow connected to what happened next. First, I must add that our front door was set back into the house with the garage protruding. Our front yard was much deeper than the backyard and was overshadowed by three velvet mesquite and a chinaberry tree and various species of kala cacti. So the street light did little to penetrate the den of darkness. I turned the lamplight to my bedroom, which was really an office nook right next to the front door, which had a large lattice picture window with run-of-the-mill blinds. I opened the blinds and the light flooded the wall of the garage. What I saw made my skin crawl. There on the stucco wall was something. It was only about 10 to 12 feet from where I was standing. The only way to describe it was that it looked like a giant headless moth. I called my brother over excitedly. I clearly remember our conversation. What do you suppose that is? I have no idea. It must be a bat of some sort. But we only have micro-bats here in Arizona, and I have always heard that bats hang upside down. I guess it could be a giant moth. We do live in the desert. I thought moths were attracted to light. The lights are all burning. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Turned out again. We talked for a moment and stood next to the glass panes adjacent to the front door the bedroom light illuminating all the while, and the thing did not stir or move. We decided it was about 18 inches to 2 feet long from blunt top to winged bottom. It was very clear yet very dark, almost black, and no antennae were visible. It hung on the wall like a moth, but was about the size of a medium-sized fruit bat, which I believe only exists in Asia. It was about 5 or 6 feet off the ground. My mother came and had a look and shuddered and refused to stand near the door. We were both young and curious and my brother said, let's go have a look at it then. We swung the door and security screen open and he took a step over the door jam. I was suddenly struck with an unreal, unearthly fear and grabbed his shoulder. He looked back at me and later said I had the most wholly terrified look on my face that he had ever seen. I am afraid and tingly even writing this. Without a word, he stepped back inside, and we locked both doors and closed the blinds and camped out in the living room, only going to sleep after several thoughtful conversations. The very next morning at sunrise, I went out to the wall with a tape measure, and my brother and mom stood at the door and directed me as to where and how high and how long this thing had been planted. There was no trace of anything. The dust on the stucco looked the same all around, with no residue or anything. When they were both satisfied with the positioning, I read the tape measure, 28 inches. 
My mother walked back into the house and has absolutely refused to speak of it since. My brother and I are both keenly interested in animal and succulent life via books and media, and I have taken a Nasi course in Southwest biology, and neither of us has ever seen or heard of anything matching its description. My husband was raised here and said the only thing he could think of that size was an owl, but this was no owl. What was it? Perhaps it is a real animal we could not identify. Has someone had a similar experience or know what it could be? We are not exaggerating people. We are level-headed and analytical. Thank you for your time. Last year I was with a buddy of mine and we were going to do the Heart Creek Scramble in Alberta, but due to some health conditions he has it was going too strenuous to complete and we figured we'd make it an easy day and just do the simple trail. Now we're both climbers and have been to Heart Creek for rock climbing in the past and had a great time so it wasn't a surprise to see the sporadic climbers on the mountainside as we went. Heart Creek is also pretty popular and easy for people who just want to go for a nice nature walk and maybe have picnic. Anyway, so we walked in, enjoying the day watching climbers on our way by. We saw a couple even doing some multi-pitch climbing which means basically leapfrogging up the route. We settled in for lunch about a half hour later and left a couple hours after that. On our way back, I remember seeing a climbing shoe in the creek and thinking, oh, someone must have lost this. I picked it up when my buddy got my attention and I looked further downstream. Both climbers, a young man 29 or so, I learned later and his partner were both lying the creek bed, rope and harnesses still attached dead. It was very surreal. We had seen these people climbing not two hours before, making their calls, having a good time. The first reaction I had was that I remembered that there was a family right behind us, a husband and wife with a young daughter who were playing in the creek on the way down. We ran back and stopped them and explained as quietly as we could what was ahead, and before we knew it, Lucky Luz had come by. It turned out that the husband was an off-duty RCMP officer, and so he took control of the situation. I learned later we weren't the first on scene and that the authorities had been called. It was a very quiet ride back into town that day though. Edit. I have more details if people are interested. Real edit. Holy crap, sorry all. Okay, more details, so the couple who were climbing were both experienced enough. But one was still learning they attempted to do a dual lowering maneuver using each other's weight and feeding the rope through their belays. One of them made a mistake and lost their end of the rope, and that was it for both of them. There wasn't a lot of blood, strangely, and they looked very peaceful. I didn't get a good look at the girl, I mostly only saw the guy there. The story ran for a couple days in the area, talking about the male as the family of the girl didn't want to disclose anything. That was not something I thought I'd see that day, that's for sure. I'm going to peruse the comments for any specific questions. I've had experiences that I can only attribute to gnomes, or at least some otherworldly beings. It all began with a peculiar scream that I caught on camera. While my friend and I were walking, we didn't hear the scream with our ears, but when I reviewed the footage later, it was unmistakably there. We were in an isolated area, no animals or electronic devices that could have made that noise. The scream was unnaturally loud, 
something we should have heard if it was made by any known living creature. It left me with the unnerving thought that my camera had somehow captured the voice or an EFP of a creature from another dimension, perhaps a duend or gnome or some other fake creature. The place where I recorded the scream was a secluded, fenced-off garden area, known for its old trees. After that recording, strange occurrences started to unfold in my home. Invisible entities seemed to be obstructing my movements, preventing me from placing things on tables. It was uncanny, and I couldn't shake the feeling that the duans had somehow followed me home. Months later, while I was out cycling, I captured a voice calling my name. Just like the screen, it was only audible when I reviewed the footage. I was convinced that the gnomes must have learned my name during their pranks at my home. After all, no one in the city knew my name, and there was no one around who could have called out to me. The odd experiences continued, and I've recorded other inexplicable voices, like a disembodied voice saying, Mommy, in the same garden where I'd caught the initial scream. I also captured a mysterious red orb hovering in the same area. The experiences were unnerving, yet fascinating. I couldn't help but continue exploring, driven by the curiosity of what I might encounter next in my encounters with these other dimensional beings. I am Red Hawk, a proud warrior of Apache tribe. I have always defended my people and our land, and now, faced with a threat like none we have ever known, I must do so once again. The signs were all there, the mangled carcasses of animals littering our once peaceful hunting grounds. No ordinary beast could have done this, and our elders whispered of an ancient legend, a creature that had not been seen for generations. As the tribe's most skilled hunter and fighter, it was my duty to find this monster and put an end to its reign of terror. I ventured deep into the forest, following the trail of destruction left by the unknown cryptid. The tracks were enormous, unlike anything I had ever seen. Fear gripped my heart, but I knew I had to be brave for the sake of my people. I continued my pursuit, fueled by determination and the hope that I could save my tribe from this horrifying menace. After days of tracking the creature, I finally caught sight of it. The beast was massive, with fearsome claws and teeth that could tear through flesh and bone with ease. Its eyes burned with an eerie, unnatural light. It was clear that this was no ordinary animal, but a monster born of darkness and nightmare. We engaged in a fierce battle, our deadly dance taking us through the forest and across treacherous ravines. Despite my best efforts, the creature's strength and speed were unparalleled. It inflicted terrible wounds upon me, but I fought on, refusing to give in. I knew that the fate of my tribe rested on my shoulders. As our struggle continued, I realized that I would not be able to defeat the creature through brute force alone. In a final, desperate act, I decided to lure it towards a steep cliff, knowing that the fall would either kill or gravely injure the cryptid. With my last remaining strength, I charged at the monster, pushing us both over the edge. We plummeted towards the ground, the creature's terrible cries echoing through the air. As we hit the earth, I felt my own bones shatter, my lifeblood seeping into the soil. The cryptid lay nearby, crippled and defeated, its furious eyes now dimmed with pain and fear. As I lay dying, I knew that I had fulfilled my duty as a warrior. I had protected my people and driven the creature away, even at the cost of my own life. 
The legend of Red Hawk would live on, and my tribe would be safe, their future secured by the sacrifice I had made. My vision began to fade, the shadows of the forest closing in around me. I smiled, knowing that I had not failed my people. I had faced the unknown and emerged victorious, and now I could finally find peace. I grew up in a small town near Wallowa Lake in Oregon, and I've always been fascinated by the stories of the Wallowa Lake monster, or Wally, as some locals call it. My grandfather used to tell me tales about the creature when I was a child, and I was always on the lookout for any signs of its existence whenever I visited the lake. One summer, when I was in my early 20s, I decided to go camping at Wallowa Lake with a group of friends. We had a great time hiking, swimming, and exploring the area, but I couldn't shake my fascination with the Wallowa Lake monster. I asked some of the locals if they had ever seen it, but most of them just shrugged it off as a silly legend. One night, while we were sitting around the campfire, one of my friends told a story about a fisherman who had claimed to have seen the Wallowa Lake monster while out on his boat. He described it as a hump-shaped creature, about 20 feet long, with rough, scaly skin and glowing red eyes. The fisherman had been so terrified that he never went back to the lake again. As we all sat around the fire, listening to the story, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. What if the Wallowa Lake monster was real? What if it was watching us right now? The next day, I decided to rent a kayak and go out on the lake to see if I could spot anything unusual. As I paddled around the calm waters, I felt a sense of excitement and fear. What if I actually saw the monster? But as the sun began to set and I still hadn't seen anything out of the ordinary, I began to feel disappointed. Maybe the Wallowa Lake monster was just a myth after all. Just as I was about to head back to shore, I heard a strange sound coming from the water behind me. It was a deep, guttural growl, unlike anything I had ever heard before. My heart raced as I turned my kayak around, and I couldn't believe what I saw. There, just a few feet away from me, was a hump-shaped creature with rough, scaly skin and glowing red eyes. It was easily twenty feet long, and it looked just like the descriptions I had heard all my life. I was paralyzed with fear, but the creature didn't seem interested in me. It swam away quickly, disappearing into the depths of the lake. As I paddled back to shore, my mind was racing. I had finally seen the Wallowa Lake monster, and I couldn't believe it. But now that I had seen it with my own eyes, I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets the lake was hiding. I couldn't believe my ears when I heard about the discovery of a goblin fetus in Mexico. The news had spread like wildfire on the internet, with people from all over the world debating the identity of the freaky find. As a journalist, I couldn't resist the urge to investigate. I traveled to Santa Maria Regla, where the alleged orkling was found, to get to the bottom of the mystery. The mummified corpse was reportedly unearthed during construction work on a derelict warehouse. The photos I saw showed a small body with pointy ears, a large nose, gnarled claw tipped hands and feet, and no identifiable gender. It looked like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. The municipal mayor in town, Francisco Mayoral Flores, quickly labeled the remains a goblin or a nagual, a Mesoamerican mythical creature that can transform into an animal. 
He believed that the discovery was relevant due to the cultural and social demand to give it importance. However, not everyone was convinced by Flora's explanation. Social media was abuzz with skepticism, with some people suggesting that it was a malformed fetus of a cat or dog. Doctors and vets were even called in to confirm the identity of the creature. As I visited the Museo de las Duens, also known as the Goblin Museum, where the goblin baby was currently on display, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. The small, mummified body looked eerie and out of place in the glass case. Despite the controversy surrounding the discovery, it was clear that the people in Santa Maria Regla took their mythology seriously. As I left the museum, I wondered if there was more to this story than just a simple case of mistaken identity. One night years ago, I was hanging out with my now ex-boyfriend. It was either November or December of 2019. We decided that night that we wanted to look at the stars. It was very cold out and probably around 1 a.m., but that didn't ever stop us from going outside. We put on extra layers, grabbed a blanket, and laid out to look at the stars. Most of the night we were having fun, laughing, and talking. There was one point where our conversation got very serious. He started explaining to me that he didn't believe in God, or anything at all. He believes nothing will happen when we die. My response to that was I respect his beliefs, but I believe in God. I know something will happen when we die. I've witnessed too many spiritual things in my life not to believe. I've always had a knowing that something more is out there. His only response was once he sees something, he'll believe it. We were quiet for a while after that, but eventually continued talking about other things and having fun. That's when I saw something in the sky. What I saw was a massive pair of wings gliding directly above me. It was at least 18-20 feet. I couldn't make out a head, legs, or tail. Just a massive pair of wings. It was dark and hard to see, but the wings had a subtle glow just enough for me to see it. It almost looked see-through, but also glowing. It can't be for sure, though. It was a shocking thing to see. I wasn't necessarily horrified but I was in complete awe. I didn't feel anything negative. My ex wasn't paying attention at first. I shouted at him to look up. When he did, he immediately started panicking. He was swearing and freaking out. The pair of wings wasn't there for long. It just flew above us, then above my house, and seemed to disappear or just fade into the darkness. As it was flying, it only flapped its wings once. So really it was gliding. My ex grabbed me and insisted we go inside. He was horrified. We didn't get much sleep that night. Eventually, the next day after calming down, we decided we wanted to go out at night again and see if anything else happens. There was a lot more that happened I won't get into too much detail about. We saw strange UFOs and two big bright lights that appeared to be close to us, so bright that it was hard to see. That itself was very scary and unusual but the strangest thing was the winged being thing. After this happened, my perspective of life changed completely. There is so much out there that we don't know about. Not that it's related, but weird things started happening around the world too. Pandemic, Ukraine, Chinese spy balloon, and so much more. There is just so much happening. 
I have searched and talked to so many people to see if maybe they experienced something similar, but I can't find much information. I do believe that maybe what I saw was an angel, or could be an interdenominational being. I'm not sure. I don't think I'll ever know for sure. I've accepted that. Again, as unbelievable as it sounds, this is something real that has happened to me and my ex-boyfriend. Backpacking has always been my way of connecting with nature, and my trip to New Hampshire was no different. The lush, verdant trails, the crisp mountain air, and the sense of tranquility that comes with being away from the city's hustle and bustle were all I needed for a perfect getaway. After a long day of hiking, my friends and I set up camp for the night. We had found a nice spot by a small stream, its soft gurgling the perfect lullaby for the cold night ahead. As the others started to set up the fire, I decided to wander off for a bit to answer nature's call. I moved away from the warm light of our fire, the cool, pine-scented air nipping at my cheeks. As I walked, my flashlight revealed an odd formation on the ground. It was a circle, carefully etched into the earth. Surrounding it were tuning forks, standing erect like silent sentinels guarding a sacred site. The sight of it sent a chill down my spine. It looked like something straight out of a horror film, some eerie ritual circle. Unease seeped into my heart, turning my blood cold. I quickly finished my business and hurried back to the comfort and safety of our campfire. As I returned, I couldn't shake off the sense of unease. I kept glancing back over my shoulder, half expecting to see something lurking in the shadows. That's when I saw it. In the distance, barely illuminated by the moonlight, was a tall figure. It was humanoid but grotesquely thin, its body unnaturally elongated. It moved with an eerie grace, its antlered head swaying slightly with each step. Its eyes, glowing in the dark, were locked onto me. I felt my heart lurch in my chest. A windigo. The stories I'd heard as a child about this terrifying creature flooded my mind. Paralyzed by fear, I could only stare as it moved closer. Suddenly, a loud crack from the campfire brought me back to reality. I turned and bolted towards the safety of my friends, not daring to look back. As I neared the fire, the warmth and laughter of my friends felt like a distant reality. My friends noticed my ashen face and asked what was wrong. But how could I explain it? I just shook my head and tried to laugh it off. But the image of the Wendigo lurking in the shadows remained etched in my mind, a chilling reminder of the mysteries and dangers that lay hidden in the heart of the wilderness. In the deep heart of the forest, we hunters gathered around our campfire, the warmth of the flames licking our faces as we exchanged stories. Some were stories of glory, of triumphant hunts and epic battles with nature. Others were tales of terror and close calls that left us gasping for breath and grateful for another day alive. Then, without warning, our lights flickered and went out. The fire was the only source of light left, casting long, dancing shadows on our faces. The air was filled with a strange buzzing, like a swarm of a thousand bees, and a chill ran down my spine. Then came a growl. It was not the growl of a bear or a wolf, but something far more sinister. It was an eerie, guttural sound that made the hair on the back of my neck stand on end. A sense of dread washed over us, 
as palpable as the wave of putrid air that followed. The smell was nauseating like rotting flesh, and we could only stare at each other, wide-eyed and silent in the glow of the dwindling fire. Then the silence was shattered by a bone-chilling shriek. It echoed around us, bouncing off the trees and rocks, and I could feel my blood run cold. I squinted into the darkness, straining to see what was making these horrific sounds. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw movement at the edge of the firelight. Slowly, a figure emerged. It was tall, incredibly tall and pale, almost glowing in the flickering firelight. Its eyes were red and devoid of any mercy, staring at us with an intensity that made my heart pound in my chest. Its body looked twisted, like a human frame that had been broken and haphazardly put back together. It was a sight that seemed to be torn straight out of a nightmare. Then everything went black. I woke up the next morning, the sun's rays filtering through the trees. The others were waking up around me, their faces pale and eyes wide with fear. We were all terrified, and the sense of being watched, of being hunted, lingered in the air. We all remembered the same thing, the creature, the growls, the shriek. It was a horrifying encounter that had seared itself into our memories, a night of terror that we would never forget. I was once canoeing the boundary waters between Minnesota and Canada. These aren't your normal backyard ponds. The boundary waters are thousands of enormous lakes interconnected with each other, think many Great Lakes. We had been canoeing and camping along the lakes for about a week at this point. We didn't really have an itinerary, just planned to boat and camp, fish, and live off the land two weeks. We had a GPS and a sat phone to call a helicopter for pickup whenever we were done. Anyway, about a week in, and we were set to canoe a few hours to the next lake. An hour or so in, and we are in the center of an extremely long and narrow lake. Unfortunately, a storm started to blow in, and the waves on the lake swelled to two-plus feet. Too much for our dinky canoes. We pull off to a random clearing on the shore and set up camp in rush to avoid being totally thrashed by a rainstorm. We just set up camp and hunkered down for the night. By the next morning, it had cleared up. We started walking up the coast of the lake about 200 feet from our camp, looking for a good fishing spot. What we actually found was another campsite. However, it was absolutely wrecked. Trash strewn everywhere, tent collapsed and torn, clothes on the ground. At first, we were just like disgusted like what assholes did this, or left their shit out to be bare food. The more we looked around, though, the weirder things seemed, though. For one, their garbage was still hoisted into a tree to keep it safe from bears, but the whole bag was ripped open despite being 30 feet in the air. Second, literally everything except the canoes were still at the campsite. Clothes, packs, food, rope, pans like a serious set of hiking equipment. Enough for two or three people. Half of it was trashed and torn open, mostly the packs, tent, and clothes. The other half was totally untouched but thrown on the ground. Like somebody noped the hell out of there and nothing, but their long johns ditching hundreds of dollars of gear in the process. We waited a couple hours and eventually called it back to our helicopter crew, but they hadn't been aware of anybody else or gotten any distress calls. We eventually just left everything and moved camp. Everybody was pretty upset by it, and a day or two later, we ended the whole trip early because it seemed like nobody wanted to be out anymore. 
It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. First thought was bear attack, but there was food left uneaten, and I've seen bear attacks on camps before, but nothing like this. Bears rip open packs and go after food, and are generally pretty easy to scare away. What still sticks with me is why all their clothes and packs were still there with half being totally destroyed and half being untouched. I still don't get it. I've done a lot of other camping and hiking, rafting and biking, all around the country, and I've never had any other weird experiences like that.